For this week's game, I think a lot about this line from Remember the Titans. We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. Perfection. Perfection in sports. There's very, very, very few times that you'll see it. In baseball, they obviously have the perfect game. has happened less than 30 times in the 150 years of baseball. Um, in football, there is a perfect quarterback rating, but that is very subjective and also happens pretty often and doesn't really mean that you've seen a perfect performance. But how do you define the perfect performance for an entire team? Well, that's a lot more difficult. Um, you know, some would say it can only be a perfect defensive performance if it's a shutout. Well, there's a lot of things that can ruin a shutout. A safety ruins a shutout. That's not the defense's fault. So I don't think that that's a perfect measurement. I think it's definitely more of a subjective thing to say that was a perfect performance. I think Oklahoma's domination of number two Texas Tech in 2008 is as close to perfection as you'll see in a college football game from a college football team. And we're going to talk about that. And guess what? We've got Bob Stoops. This is the Big 12 Bullets Game of the Week. You heard that right. Bob Stoops, who is currently on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot for this year and will certainly get in on the first ballot. Coach Bob Stoops, the winningest coach in Oklahoma history. 190 wins and 48 losses, one national championship in 2010, Big 12 titles, two-time Walter Camp Coach of the Year, six-time Big 12 Coach of the Year, one of the greatest of all time in the sport. In fact, he's the only coach, this is a kind of a random stat, but I, I think it's interesting, he's the only coach that's won the Rose Bowl, Orange Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, and Sugar Bowl in the BCS era. So, he really needs no introduction, but before we get into the game, let's talk about RevTown Jeans. You've heard me talk about the RevTown Jeans. I'm going to keep talking about RevTown Jeans because they're great, they're comfortable, they have a little bit of a stretch to them, they feel a little bit kind of like athletic wear, but they look like jeans. They do still feel like jeans. It's not like you're, you know, lounging around in sweatpants. I mean, you, you would still feel, uh, you know, as professional as you need to feel while you're wearing your jeans. I like them a lot. They're Revtown jeans, revtownusa.com. Get yours today. I like them. You'll like them. Let me know if you order any, revtownusa.com. I'm not going to waste a ton of time before we get to our interview. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the game after the interview, but I want to set the stage before the interview so you know exactly what's happening. So we're talking Oklahoma and Texas Tech 2008. If you listened to last week's episode with Graham Harrell, which you should, whether you're a Tech fan or not, because Graham was really interesting, you know that this is the Texas Tech team that three weeks prior beat Texas on the Michael Crabtree last second touchdown. That vaulted Tech up to number two in the polls. They went and dominated number eight Oklahoma State the very next week and then had a bye week. Oklahoma, on the other hand, has been putting up points at an unbelievably historic pace. In fact, they would go on to become the highest scoring team in FBS history. Uh, it was broken by Jameis Winston's Florida State team several years later, but at the time, this was the highest scoring team ever, and they were destroying people, but they were number five 
because they had lost to Texas 45 to 35 in the Red River shootout. So they had to win out after that loss, but then they also needed Texas to lose, and that was provided by Texas Tech. Well, now you have a situation where there are three 10 and 1 teams, or there will be three 10 and 1 teams if Oklahoma beats Tech, which of course they do. So Oklahoma not only needed to beat Tech, they needed to dominate Tech and show, hey, we're of these three teams that are all 10 and 1, we're the best team out there. And that's exactly what Oklahoma did. This was in Norman on November 22nd, 2008. So this was one of the last games of the season. Not the last game of the season, but one of the last games of the season. And it was a beatdown. And it was not expected to be this way because Tech, remember, Tech was really, really good. They had beat Texas. They were really dominating Texas for most of that game. This was probably the best Tech defense maybe ever, certainly in the Leach era. Um, And this was... Of course, a great offense with Graham Harrell, with Michael Crabtree, and several other weapons. And they came into Oklahoma, and they were down 42-7 to at halftime. 42-7 to at halftime. This Oklahoma team, just to give you a picture of how good they were and just who, this, who, who it was on this team, of course, it was Sam Bradford who would win the Heisman this year and would go number one overall in the 2010 NFL draft. It was DeMarco Murray. There were other guys that were not, um, that didn't become stars in the NFL, like players like Chris Brown, the other running back who was really good, um, and Joaquin Iglesias, who was really good. Ryan Broyles, who would become the all-time leading receiver in NCAA history, was a freshman on this team. Then you have guys like Jermaine Gresham, who was the number 21 overall pick in the 2010 NFL Draft and was a two-time Pro Bowler for the Bengals. You also had Trent Williams, the offensive tackle, who was the number four overall pick in the 2010 NFL Draft. And on defense, yes, Oklahoma had some great defensive players. This was actually a very good defensive team for Oklahoma. They had the legendary Gerald McCoy, a defensive tackle, who went number three overall in the 2010 NFL Draft. This was an Oklahoma team that was stacked with absolute legendary talent. They, I mean, they had three of the top four picks in the 2010 NFL draft on this team. They had a really good tight end. And of course, like I said, the defense was good. And so this was a great team playing Tech, who was also a great team. And Oklahoma made them look like modern day Kansas or something like that. I was going to say Kansas, but at the time, Kansas was actually good. They made them look like modern-day Kansas by beating up 42-7 to at halftime. Another thing that makes this game really intriguing and sort of seared in the minds of Oklahoma fans was what Bob Stoops said about the Oklahoma home crowd before the game. So to set the stage, at this point in 2008, Bob Stoops has been the coach since 1999. He's lost two games at home to Oklahoma State in 2001 and TCU in 2005. He was on the verge of breaking the Oklahoma home win streak record. It's a streak that would last until 2011 when Tech beat Oklahoma at home, and I don't want to talk about it. I was there. It was a 39-game streak, and this was in the middle of it. The point is Oklahoma had a dominant home record, but when Stoops was asked about that at this time, he said before this game, and I quote, I don't think we've ever been known to have an overly raucous crowd. And this really, you know, it made some people mad. They they were like, we're going to show him. And and it was the greatest atmosphere that people uh, have ever really experienced at Oklahoma, at least in the modern era. And um, after the game, because the crowd was so crazy, Coach Stoops went to all four corners of the stadium, bowed down to the crowd. The, the players were um, thanking the crowd because it was so wild. And 
I asked Stoops about that, or actually he volunteered um, to explain exactly what he was doing, why he was doing it, you know, whether he was calculated about it, all of that. I talked to him about that. So stay tuned for that. And of course, if you're an Oklahoma fan, the what you call this game a lot of times is the jump around game. So when Oklahoma goes up 42 to seven right before halftime, the PA plays jump around. This is not an Oklahoma tradition like it is at Wisconsin. It was just something spur of the moment. The entire crowd starts jumping. All of the players are jumping. And Kirk Herbstreet has a you know, famous, you know, when you're watching the clip, he says, are we in Madison? As in Madison, Wisconsin. It was this iconic moment that happened very organically. They would try to make it happen again um, throughout my time in college sometimes and stuff like that. It, it's, it was never going to happen again. It happened this one time very organically, and I'm sure it was amazing because people still talk about it to this day. Um, that is what this game is known for. And it was kind of this this explosion of all of that tension before the game, all of the excitement before the game, also all of that um, maybe kind of like anger of like, we're going to prove Coach Stoops wrong, we're a crazy crowd, that kind of thing um, boiled over into this celebratory moment that happened before halftime. That's how dominant this game was, or dominant Oklahoma was this game. They were, like I said, perfect in every aspect of the game. So I'm going to talk to Coach Bob Stoops, the man who coached the team that was at this moment, perfect in every aspect of the game. I am privileged to say that we have Oklahoma legend Coach Bob Stoops on the podcast. Welcome, Coach. Uh, thank you, Scott. I don't know about legend or any of that, but uh, good to be on with you. Well, I'll say it. You don't have to. Fair so, enough. <laughs> so we're talking about the 2008 Tech game. Um, I was a freshman at OU in 2009, and this is all anyone wanted to talk about. It was the best memory of anyone who was there before me, but of course, I missed that. I wasn't there for that. Is this game your favorite home game or one of your favorite home games? Oh, definitely one of my favorite all-time home games. I, I would have to put uh, Nebraska in 2000. Uh, when we were just starting our role to, to um, you know, to the national championship. And you got to know that Nebraska was number one in the country at that time and had that long-standing tradition and OU Nebraska. And anyway, we we go on and beat them, uh, I think it was 31-14, and end up number one in the country the day after it. So it might rank right behind that one. Yeah, absolutely. And and going into this game, obviously this is, you know, a, a dominating team. You didn't really have close games at home up to this point because you guys were putting 60 on everybody. Um and you had this kind of famous moment where you said something about, you know, that you needed the crowd to be a little bit louder for this game. When you said well, that I'll, Go ahead. I'll tell you what I did. Yeah, I was I was interviewed and I got to admit I was a little bit calculated on it that I got to get our crowd, you know, fired up somehow. And, uh, and someone asked me in an interview why our, our home record was so good at the time. You know, it was, you can look it up, but it was crazy good. We had maybe only lost a, maybe less than a handful of games at home in, you know, in nine years and why our home record was so good. And I, 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 Shouldn't I kind of said it wrongly, uh, but I kind of said it sarcastically that it sure wasn't because of our ruckus crowd. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, but I knew it would make everyone mad, and I had hoped it would get them to do just what they did to show me. We'll show him what he's talking about. He doesn't know what he's talking about, and it's the loudest I've ever heard it prior to that game and or after that game. Um, and I did pay him homage after the game. I went to every corner of the stadium and each side and, and bowed down to them that I appreciated what they did because they had a big effect on the game. Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering. Was that calculated or did you find out later, oh, I didn't realize it was going to have the effect it did. So was that kind well, of a... I didn't, I didn't mean to say it as sarcastically as I did, but it just, anyway, it did. It came out that way and they sure showed me and hey listen we we got we got fantastic great great fans as as good as there are in the country the way they support us but uh it served its purpose they were sure rowdy going into for that game and we needed them and they showed up did you when did you realize that they were going to be that rowdy i mean was it before kickoff you could just tell there's a different energy oh yeah there's there's no doubt they were ready to put it to me and uh that was good as a coach, how often do you even notice the crowd? Do you try to block all of that out, home or away? Yeah, you, you do. Um, you just get into your, you know, uh, get on, get your headphones on, and that silences it, and you get to communicating and just getting into the flow of the game. But there are moments when you're, you're taken aback. Uh, get maybe you just scored a touchdown, and you've already hit your team coming off the field you're getting ready for the kickoff and you still hear them roaring and you know so there's 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 plenty of moments that you can take it in and and appreciate it when it's really good like that are there any moments where you're on the other side like maybe how coach leach would have felt in this game do you remember any big moments in your career where you were kind of blown away by the opposing crowd uh, you know, not too much. I, I probably because when it's when it's that way, you're kind of really blocking it out and doing your best to ignore it. You know. So setting the stage for this game, uh, Tech is number two. They beat Texas in that epic game, and then they dominated Oklahoma State the next week, which is a game I kind of forgot about. So your players know, you and your players know how big this game's going to be. And I think there was a Gerald McCoy quote from after the game where he talked about how hyped they were in practice the whole week. As a coach, are you are you happy that your players are extra hyped for a game? Or do you try to kind of tamper that down and you know help them focus that it's just a normal game? Well, I'm a big believer in you can't seesaw through a year and and have, a, have the success – consistent success like we've had, you know, where you're constantly winning 10, 11 games. And I, I just think it sets you up for failure when you're, you're trying to be gimmicky. Like this game will be up this one. We won't this one. We will. I, it just, these kind of games, it naturally happens. The media, the fans, everybody sort of fuels it and feeds it. Um, and it, it, you don't have to say much. So, so it isn't like we're trying to be. It just naturally happens uh, when you know what's at stake, what's on the line. And then uh, I think it was one of their big old linemen. I can't remember his name, you know, that painted his face. Yeah. And he came out of the he came out for warm ups. And I think he went ran right through some of our players or kind of mocked them or, you know, if I can remember right or had something to say. 
and from then on, it was our guys were livid, you know, and it's like, okay, I don't have to say a word. Let's just go play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I imagine as a coach, you just you're happy when something like that happens. Oh, believe me, you, you know, especially you get you get quality teams and and they feel disrespected or, or somebody just whether you know just really disrespected them it doesn't it doesn't usually go well was this i mean you mentioned you know the the nebraska game from uh, i think you said 2000 but was this the most perfect performance offensively and defensively of any of the teams you coached just on an individual one game basis well that that other one in 2000 with nebraska was pretty close um mm-hmm. for instance first quarter first two series nebraska goes down and scores but they don't score a point for the rest of the game mm-hmm. and offensively we put up 31 unanswered points so I, I have a hard time uh you know separating the two but this was this was very similar to that in a game that we really had to have um and uh really had a dominating performance you know against uh yeah, i think nebraska was one in the country at the time and Tech was two in the country at the time, maybe, and you know, so um, so it's definitely right up there with that game uh, as as really just played uh, excellently in every phase of the game. This was the the BCS era, and you're going to end the season tied with Tech and Texas, so all of those style points mattered, and you know, kind of running up the score mattered did you have that in your mind I mean is there a point in that game where you say okay we're gonna win but now we have to win even bigger and you kind of maybe left your starters in longer because of that playing in your mind no um not really that was never my style and I never looked felt even in the BCS era and we did really well in that era that uh that we had to bury somebody to or you know work it that way um we just played it like we always did. And I, I want to say that we had most all of those points early fourth quarter or mid fourth quarter. I don't know that we were scoring real late. And if I know me, cause I, you know, Mike Leach is a great friend of mine and got great respect for him that, that I would have shut it down. And I, meaning I, I think we did shut it down. Um, that enough was enough. We were in great position and uh but i was never about that never never thought that mattered too much in other words if you're up 30 as opposed to 37 does it really matter you know right I yeah didn't, that's how i truly felt about it you know you mentioned you and coach leach are, are good friends and obviously you go way back when you guys talk when you guys you know are together these days do you ever bring up any head-to-head games or is that kind of off limits because you don't you don't want to talk about that kind of stuff when you're together. Yeah, no, we don't, we don't, we don't care either one of us about talking about any of that. You know, that's, you know, that, that, that that's, we've got plenty of other fun stuff to talk about. So I know, I know Lincoln, uh, Lincoln, you know, was a young assistant coach at the time oh, on yeah. that team, uh, coach Riley. I so, uh, he and I have reminisced about it just a time or two. Uh, and, uh, he shakes his head about it, just about how, you know, just how we it just sort of started to steamroll. Yeah, that's funny. I, I forgot about uh, Coach Riley being on that uh, on that staff. Uh, you talked about the steamroll effect. I, I think the 
everyone always talks about that that jump around moment at about halftime after uh, the Travis Lewis interception. Is that when in your mind you're like, okay, they're not coming back. This game is over. Or again, is that another thing you just you can't ever think about that as a coach? Well, I got I got I'm just trying to remember what quarter Travis's interception was in. It was it was right um, uh, right before halftime. They were trying to uh, Tech was trying to get yeah. one last one you know some points before uh, halftime. Uh, that's right. They were trying to force it late in the, the second quarter. Right. No, I with Mike Leach's teams, <laughs> you never felt they were out of it. You know how that is. That, that guy can score too quickly and they're always so explosive that uh that i'm sure i wasn't comfortable till we were well into the fourth quarter so obviously you have this huge win you have a group of 18 to 22 year old kids this massive win this massive you know sort of celebration going on in norman and then you have to play your your rival oklahoma state the next week and that's a pretty good team and then you have to go to to missouri and win that game how do you um, how do you calm kids down or get them back focused on the next week? Because going through this game of the week series, one of the things I'm noticing is a lot of the, the games that I'm covering, the team then lost the next week because it's really hard to get focused again. How do you do that as a coach? Well, I think a number of ways, and I think you're right. And I think through all my 18 seasons, I don't know that we ever lost, or if we did, it was only one or two times back-to-back games. Right. Um, you know, that it, it goes back to what I said earlier talking with you that we never got too up. You know, we never looked at just one game as more important than another. Meaning at Oklahoma, if you don't win all the games or 11, 12, 13 games, well, that's a bad year. So, you know, for us to just point to one, two or three games, that ain't going to do anything for us. You know, that doesn't work here. You know, if we just beat Texas, and oh, that's okay. Not at Oklahoma, you know. So so our attitude was always, you know, of, of treating all the games with respect, be up and ready for all the games. I was big on preaching that it's your job to be ready to play, not mine to all of a sudden five minutes before the game make you want to play. You know, so we – we talked a lot about through the week on how to be prepared. I was big on what to expect from a crowd from, you know, whether it be a away game or, you know, what's the other team's motivation? What do we got to be ready for? So, you know, it's just, and it, and it's methodically doing it every week, not, not just for tech, you know, um, we knew we had to win the next several and that's what you got to do. Yeah, as a coach, did you ever even take time to celebrate on a Saturday night and just kind of relax, or was it always right to the next one, right when oh. the game ends? Oh, heck yeah. I had plenty of fun celebrations. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And made sure my staff did as well, and and uh, usually we'd start right there in the locker room. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. I, You know, you never want to hear about someone who doesn't seem to enjoy their, uh, enjoy their victories. Oh, no. That's great. So last question for you. Is there anything that you remember from this game that maybe most people don't know about a special moment in the locker room or anything like that? Well, probably uh, what I said earlier about their old lineman coming out and, uh, you know, and poking the bear, you know, he just came out and, 
disrespected our guys and uh, had some choice words for them. And, you know, once our players realize that, then, you know, you don't, you don't normally have to say a whole lot. He, he, as much gas as we had in the tank, he just made it overflow. <laughs> I imagine guys like Travis Lewis wouldn't take too kindly to that. Gerald McCoy and a whole bunch of others, you know. <laughs> so no, there's a whole, there's a, there was a whole crew of them that couldn't believe, you know, that this was happening, and they, they were. Anyhow, we were, and again, I, I, I think again to this day, my compliments to the crowd. They really rose to the occasion. Yeah, I, uh, like I said, I, I wish I had been there, but I wasn't, and all my friends who were there never, never have let me forget that. So. Um, I appreciate you reminiscing about this uh, great game for us. And, yeah, just good luck with the Hall of Fame nomination. I appreciate that. Good to be with you, and uh, all the best to you. Well, that was exciting, wasn't it? Bob Stoops on the Big 12 Bullets podcast. If you're new around here, this is the Big 12 Bullets podcast. Like I mentioned, it's a weekly during the season podcast, we're doing a game of the week series. We're taking a look back at classic win for each Big 12 team right now and the lead up to what I was hoping would be a college football season, and that's looking less and less likely. However, we're still going to do the series because if there is no college football series, if there is no college football season, we need something to look at and watch and remember and reminisce on and think, yeah, man, college football is fun. So that's what we're doing here. I have a newsletter. You go to Big12Bullets.com and you can sign up for the newsletter. And in the newsletter, I will break down the game in a much more detailed fashion with some more stats and some highlights and things like that. Uh, the podcast is where I'm talking to someone who is involved in the game, as you obviously just heard with Coach Stoops. And then we also have a key play breakdown where I, on video on YouTube, um, where I break down a key play from the game. Um, sometimes it's the the play. Sometimes it's a forgotten play. Um, so there's all kinds of ways that we're looking at all of these games and to tie up some loose ends on this game. So the final score was 65 to 21 tech got a couple late touchdowns. They actually started the second half with an onside kick, uh, that failed. Um, and they were trying to the very end to get some points on the board. Um, so it was 65 21. So maybe if you could argue that it was not the perfect performance, Although I say it still was because when you think about the incredible offense that Tech had to only give up 21 and really to only give up about 7 or 14 is pretty impossible seeming. So Oklahoma would then go to Oklahoma State the next week, win 61 to 41, a pretty epic game there. And they would go to the Big 12 championship game and destroy number 19, Missouri, 62 to 21. Yes, as you can tell, Oklahoma likes to score in the 60s this season. The, the, here are the scores of games this season, 57 to 2, 52 to 26, 55 to 14, 35 to 10, 49 to 17, they lose 45-35 to Texas. Then they go 45-31, 58 65-21, 61-41, 62-21. And then they go to the national championship game against Florida, number one Florida with Tim Tebow. And without DeMarco Murray, who was injured, they, they got shut down because Florida had an unbelievable defense and they lost 24 to 14 in the national championship game. This was the last national championship game. Oklahoma would be in last national championship that Bob Stoops would be in. And 
very disappointing ending for a team that was putting 60 on the board constantly. But, um, you know, these things happen, especially in bowl games and especially in national championship games. So that's kind of where this season would go. So obviously Texas did not make the national championship game because Oklahoma was voted higher um, or ranked higher in the BCS. And Texas would end up winning the Fiesta Bowl. Tech would end up losing the Cotton Bowl. Um, so this was the last time that that you probably, if there was a playoff, you certainly would have had Oklahoma and Texas in it, which would have been pretty unbelievable to think about, um, especially if there was a chance that they could have played each other in the national championship game. I mean, just just think about that hype. I mean, just imagine what a playoff would have been like in 2008. It would have been pretty cool. Although Florida was so good, they probably would have beat both teams. Um, but it is interesting to think about how the playoff would have changed the landscape of college football at that time. And if you are new here, I would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, if you would rate the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or Spotify, however you're listening. Thank you for joining us. And thanks to Coach Stoops for joining us. And thanks to RevTown Jeans for sponsoring us. Stay safe out there. Wear a mask so we can have college football. If that's the only motivating factor you need, do it. Because we need college football in our lives, even if it is conference-only games. We'll do whatever we can to get some football. This is the Big 12 Bullets Game of the Week presented by Reptile. Any questions? All